two sports fanatics, both with some background in MMA, looking to provide some of their thoughts on what goes on in the world of mixed martial arts. A jiu-jitsu practitioner who is not afraid to get her feet up and provide a stellar knockout or get your jits on, teams up with the Fly Guy, a karate kid turned boxer who would enjoy putting you to sleep by embracing your neck. Tie the Fly Guy. Live from your favorite podcast station, it's Front Kicks and Throat Cuddles, Laurel versus Ty, and it starts right now. FKTC crew, we are back after a week-long Thanksgiving feasting hiatus. I must ask you, get your jets on, how was your Thanksgiving? It was very low-key. Am I using that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on the down low. No, because that's hiding. No, it's (laughs) low-key. And I must say that I cooked delicious food which consisted of really random things that I thought would be good (laughs) (laughs) and roast because turkey is domestic. Turkey is not my, my thing. It's not your cup of tea. No. And I get grossed out because sometimes my dad cooks it and it tastes raw to me because it's not burnt. So I just cannot get that out of my mind that I'm going to get salmonella from Thanksgiving. So I just do a crock pot roast. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I have some specialty dishes. My favorite part about Thanksgiving though, is getting to use some of my grandmother's dishes and silverware. And there's this special tablecloth that my grandmother and great grandmother each started at one end and met in the middle. They crocheted Uh it. Nice. So, and my grandmother brought that over from Luxembourg when they came over to America. Ooh. So ah. it has some memories for me. Nice. Very nice. How about you? Um, same. It's pretty low key. Actually, I got to help prepare the turkey for the first time. So that really? was, that was a interesting trip. Um, did you deep fat fry it? No, no way. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not, I'm trying not to burn the house down. <laughs> like I've seen those videos, like, oh my gosh, like you can start, like you can burn your old house down, deep frying your <laughs> yeah. turkey. Like, no, no, thank you. Um, that would be me. <laughs> so yeah, it was, I didn't realize how, not that the turkey was so much work, but the preparation for it and and I'm gonna make a little bit of a joke here because I had to like lather the turkey, massage the turkey and like like to season it, I had to like pull off a little bit of the skin and like lather it inside. It kind of felt like I was at a Ugh. I was like a masseuse at some point. Like this this is interestingly awkward. That just makes me dry heap thinking about it. <laughs> just after touching a turkey so much, how do you even want to eat it? That's my thing. Like what? Um, when you're very, very hungry, you just kind of forget everything. Oh, yeah. 
Um, but the whole thawing thing just what is what kills me. You thaw something for two mm-hmm. or three days and it doesn't rot. That's just not normal to me. Yeah, and when we uh, were preparing the turkey, there was parts of it that were still frozen. So I'm not sure if it's just because we didn't keep it in the fridge long enough or something happened along the line. But just trying to get all the seasoning on it, I could, even though I had a glove on, my hand was freezing to death. So that that was the unpleasant part about it. Yeah. That's just... But... Uh The rest of it was pretty good. We had our normal side dishes. I think we had something different. I mm-hmm. can't remember though, but it's no more, normally the same kind of stuff. Although I am kind of bummed. Oh no, the one thing we had different was a vegetable medley. So that's kind of like, medley? so it's like potatoes, zucchini and carrots all mixed up and roasted in the oven with garlic and I'm kind of like secret garden, not garden, secret garlic sauce. That's actually pretty good. Secret garlic sauce? Some kind of. What does that even mean? I don't know. I didn't see it being made. So that's why I call it secret garlic sauce. But it is what it is. Um, But I think we're going to get a little bit, we might go more in depth with that later because I know there was a question about that. But before we get into our questions, two weeks ago, we had UFC Vegas 43. Because it was two weeks ago, oh, wait, I almost buried the lead. So let's bring it back from the ground. (laughs) So briefly cover UFC Vegas 43 because it was two weeks ago. Um, We'll go into our forum questions. We actually got two Twitter and two voice questions. And then we're going to cover UFC Vegas 44. Um, and then we'll get into some MMA news. So let's get ready for round one. Go. <laughs> ding, ding. And it's going to be a short round because UFC Vegas 43, as we mentioned, was two weeks ago. Stunk. Stunk. And Boring. snooze fast. Every fight on that card, except for one, was a decision. Those are the kind of par- those are the kind of cards I'm just not a fan of. Yeah, yeah, really kind of uninteresting. I think I had just looking back at my notes more. I had expectations mm-hmm. for for better fights, but. I mean, I don't know. Some of them were kind of sloppy. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I don't know if people were starting the winter doldrums or, or what. But <laughs> it's kind of, I mean, I didn't even write when I rewatched it anything notable down. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, um, I can tell you right now, the prelims were terrible. The only two fighters I want to make note of um, Lupi Godnez, who was, ha- who had her third fight in 43 days. Um, mm-hmm. She ended up doing pretty well. Um, I want to say it was between rounds two and three. She was talking to her corner and it was like a little funny moment between her and her coaches. Um, 
she's like trying to breathe heavy, like breathe, take everything in at, in at one point while the coach is talking to her. And out of nowhere, she goes, I don't think I can fight next weekend. <laughs> and then they like, like have a little laugh about it. Like, okay, two weeks, two weeks. We'll, we'll give you two weeks. <laughs> I mean, she's a, she's a beast for fighting three, three times in 43 days. Like that's pretty impressive. That's better than what, um, yeah. Hamzat, Sh- almost as better what Hamzat Shemayev did. Right. So right. definitely keep an eye on her. Cause I think she'll be a interesting name to keep an eye on in the strawweight division. Sure. Um, and then Pat Sabatini, even though his fight went to a decision, it was pretty dominant. And I was actually kind of impressed with him. He just couldn't finish. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> or, <laughs> well, I, or, or he said. <laughs> yeah. Not finishing is sometimes a very bad thing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> some of your competitors, you beat the crap out of them and you know, they don't go down because they're just tough. Mm-hmm. They're yeah. not winning, but they're tough. Right. So, Like I've noticed a lot of UFC fighters nowadays have pretty solid like cardio and like chins and all this stuff that like just keeps them going no matter how much damage they take. Right. So props to his opponent, but Pat Sabatini still beat the hell out of him. Yeah. I wonder if that's if that's if that kind of strategy of a solid chin and and good cardio is uh I mean it's it's awesome to have but at the same time I can't think that your brain says woo let's go. <laughs> no, you're probably right. I'm pretty sure the more damage you take the long-term effects could start showing up. Right course depends on how well i take care of your body too that's true but still you if you take care of your body and still get hit in the head repeatedly eh, yeah there's a good chance good chance (laughs) it's not gonna go well um main card was okay nothing too spectacular um the only two fighters i want to mention is adrian adrian yanez Uh and talia santos uh yanez was another one that couldn't finish, but looked pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Talia Santos was the only one that got a finish, so. And that was your pick. Talia Santos was my pick. Oh, oh yeah, Giannis was my pick. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Woo. Um, but I am kind of bummed that Michael Chiesa and Nietzsche Tate lost, though. Um, Sean Brady, though, I'll give him a lot of, a lot of props that he was like wrestler versus wrestler. So I thought Yessa being the more experienced one was going to do a lot better. But um, and I think uh, Yessa even uh, while they were like grappling, he's like, man, dude, you're tough. And Brady just did nothing but laugh about it. So it's like, it was nice that they had that little bit of exchange. But man, Brady's going to be a name to keep an eye on because now that he's in the top 10, you're probably thinking maybe one or two fights up there and he could be fighting Usman. yeah yeah that brute strength of his really paid off that whole whole round or all rounds oh yeah um 
main event wasn't really anything too spectacular, even though it was, I don't know. I kind of had it, um, I forgot how it scored. I think I had it 48-47 for Ketlin Vieira because mm -hmm. I want to say, I can't remember who got off to the good I think it was Kate that got off. It was really, it was just really weird to score, honestly, because it was like some some media had it 3-2 Tate, some had it 3-2 Vieira, and some, I think a couple had it 4-1 uh, Vieira. So it was just really strange scoring it for a fight that there wasn't a whole lot going on. Yeah. Um... Yeah, there were there were just yeah. I don't have anything more to say about it. I don't think I agree with you. There was just not much going on in your like. How did you? Well, I guess you have to have. Is there ever been a time where, out of 50, 50 points, somebody is thirty five, thirty two? I mean, I guess you have to dig deep. Yeah. What's that? Dig deep. Yeah, yeah I guess. You... <laughs> I don't know. I can't uh, explain it. Oh, it's like like 50, 35 scorecard, you mean? Well, no, I mean, I guess um, what I'm trying to say is if. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> I don't I don't know how to say it any different, so I'll just leave it be. Like lopsided scorecards, is that what you're going after? No, but I mean if there's a low number of punches, how do you give it 48 or 40 47? Gotcha. Gotcha. You know I think what I mean? Like yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think most of the fight was more based on who had more effective takedowns and who was doing more on the ground. Cause it seemed like well, I know there was quite a bit where they were standing up, but it did seem there was a lot of like take attempted takedowns, takedowns, yeah. grounds control, all that, which uh, it could be interesting if, so actually now that I think about it, so there's one thing, I, if I get, there's one thing I take away from Nate Diaz in one of his early UFC fights as when someone like took him down and he like stopped it and they're like on the ground for a while, but his opponent's not doing anything. They're just, he just like holding onto his legs, but Nate's just like pounding on his head and just like telling him work, work. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of the way I look at it. Like you gotta show in the work if you're, right. gonna, if you're gonna like clinch and take down and do ground control, that's fine but at least show something. Right. I think that's what made uh, Ketlin versus Misha kind of a boring fight. Right. Shame, but it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, before we get into the Twitter question, Twitter and the forum, you want to update on the scoring? I think you got two on me and I got one, I think, last time. Uh, yeah, so 
it's it's uh well the way it because i won one and lost one and you won one and lost one right i think so yeah yeah so you're at 15 and 17 and i'm at 18 and 16. okay so we just added one piece to a win and a loss yeah Excuse me. All right. So with that said, let's get into our forum and we'll start with Twitter because it's a little bit easier for me to read the questions. Mm -hmm. And our first one comes from Zach Fredrich. Um, so a new, I don't think he, I'll see if he follows the podcast because it just popped out of nowhere. So his mm -hmm. question is, assuming you're in a, assuming you're in fight shape, how much time would you need to train to fight CM Punk at any weight class of your choosing? Oh, geez. Assuming you're in fight shape, mm -hmm. how much time would you need to what? To fight someone of your choosing? To train to fight CM Punk. Young Punk? CM Punk. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think my microphone's away from my face. That's probably why I couldn't hear that well. That's fine. Well, I, it takes um, a little, I, I would say, oh, I don't know. I would say a month. Okay. Even if you're in fight shape. Okay. I mean, you have to watch the, the other fights. You have to, you know, mm. figure out your game plan and practice that game plan over and over. So it becomes a little bit of muscle memory, both right. for your brain and your body. I mean, it's not, even if you're in fight shape, it doesn't mean you can just go next, you're good to go next week. Right. That's that's what I would say. Is there a specific weight class you would want to fight them at? Oh geez. Uh <laughs> 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 I'd probably wanna fight him his same weight class. So welterweight? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Okay. What do you so gotta lose? So a month to face him at Walter Waite. Yeah. Month at All right. All right. So I went very technical on my question. Um, oh, you did? Yeah. So I focused on like his height and his reach. So he actually is eight inches taller than I am. So oh, that would, yeah. So that'd be, a, that'd be a little bit of a problem. Um, <laughs> and then I think... If I if I remember my wings my uh, reach I think is like 60, 65 or sixty six I can't remember and his reach advantage is like seventy one something like that so was seventy one no I think it was like seventy three yeah it was I think it was seventy three so based off of that I would not want to strike with him even though I probably could do well just because he has a longer reach, I'd focus more on the wrestling grappling aspect of it because I know that's where he was not that great at watching his two fights. And yes, I sat through his two fights and oh my gosh, <laughs> that was interesting. Um, 
if we decided to do it at Walter Waite, I would take your month and just add one more to it just so I can focus on weight cutting because I kind of am not at 170. I'm more, <laughs> I'm more with one weight class up because of all the Thanksgiving food. So <laughs> kind of need to work on that. But if I wanted to fight it like my natural, well, it's not my natural because I'm trying to think because I think the lightest I've ever weighed was about five years ago and I was 155 back then which I wish I knew how I got that but if I were to fight him at lightweight I would need an extra two to four weeks so three months maximum depending on where I want to go I'd have to gain 42 pounds But what am I going to do? I'm going to ask him to drop 42 pounds. That doesn't seem like it would give me any advantage at all. Right. That I think that give you a lot of advantage because that would like severely drain him. He would still be bigger than me. True, but he may not be used to dropping 40 pounds. So. Yeah. Well, anyway, I figured if I gain <laughs> that much weight then I'd have lots of padding for his punches. This is true. <laughs> uh, although I don't think he punches that hard if I remember correctly. Really? Since you and I. Yeah. yeah. Well, step in and get one punch like, ow. Right. But so I think, it, I think it'd be better if I did do welterweight because I know I wouldn't have to lose. I w I'd probably like to drop about geez maybe 10 pounds at most that wouldn't be bad yeah i mean i've been at 170 before so it's no big deal so i think the real I'd... question is do we even know what fight shape means see that is a good question um geez would i so would i consider myself fight shape probably not um you know what i mean if you were in fight shape which is the question um, I think fight shape for me is no, like, no fatty foods, no sugars, and no, like, alcohol for, like, a month would probably contest me, <laughs> would contest me at fight shape. <laughs> and if I was running, like, at least once a day every day, or once a day for, once a day, four to five days a week. Shit, though, you have to do all that cross training stuff, weights, and wrestling, and jujitsu. Yep. I mean, it's crazy what bite shape is. Oh, yeah. And I respect everyone that has to go through that. That's right. Even if I make fun of them, not. Even if I even if I make fun of them the same way. Even if they're blocking everything with their face. Exactly. <laughs> like some people we know. Like some fighters we know. <laughs> That's right. Um, our next question comes from Ashley from the Silly Little Podcast. And I did send this to you earlier today. 
Yeah. If your favorite fighter were a Thanksgiving dish, which one would it be? Oh my gosh. That's hard. I'm still thinking about that one. So <laughs> let's think about my favorite Thanksgiving dish, which is this crazy sweet potato thing that I make with, with heavy whipping cream and cheese. Okay. And I bake it and it's triple layered and it's delicious. And I could eat it every day for three weeks if it wasn't so fatty. <laughs> How do I compare that to Anderson Silva? Hmm. Who's my favorite fighter? And the only way I could think about comparing it to him was the three layers. Yeah. The three layers. He's just a multi-layered fighter. Mm-hmm. That works. With a kick. With a kick. That works even better. Yep. And so for me, that kick on that sweet potato dish is the, the cheeses that you use. It gives you different flavors as you go down in the layers. There you go. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's how I answered that. Mm -hmm. I saw someone had replied to it and they said that they would have done like, and it was really weird. It was Holly... Holly Holly turkey breast with a side of karate hottie butt buns. I was like, what the <laughs> heck? What is this? Genius. Interesting, <laughs> in, interesting, interesting way to look at it. Um, so they named the dish their favorite fighters? I guess so. Huh. But I kind of looked at it in a different approach. So yeah. I think it's just if your favorite fighter were Thanksgiving dish. Like right. You're combining your favorite dish and your favorite fighter, basically. I kind of didn't go that route. Um, so I went, I went with two just because it was challenging. Um, so Joan Robinson is one of my favorite female fighters. And I, for her, I had cranberry sauce because oh. she is sweet, but also very, but cranberry sauce is sweet, but tangy. And so uh -huh. we have the sweet Jillian Robertson who has the tangy, tough submission abilities. In a nice. And plus cranberry sauce is kind of like a reddish color and her hair is red. So. <laughs> wow. Hey, you thought about this. Now, that one was like a no brainer. Um, <laughs> and then my favorite male fighter is Dustin Poirier. And for him, I did mashed potatoes. And, and he, here's the reason why. So I did mashed potatoes as a side dish, as my side dish. And my dumb self forgot to cut up the potatoes before putting them in the boiling water. And so it was going to make it that tougher when I had to mash them together. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a workout. It's so strong. And it kind of reminds me of Dustin. He's very strong-willed and he can pack a punch and he can, and with mashed potatoes, you can put whatever you want in there. You can put salt, you can put bacon, you can put cheese. And so that makes, right. makes me think of Dustin Poirier as a multi-dimensional because he can knock you out. He can drill, like drag the fight on and beat you senseless, or he can even submit you. I honestly feel like we should cut the podcast off right now and then just eat snacks. <laughs> I don't have any snacks on me though, so oh, I'm not hungry. I tried. Um, 
speaking of Thanksgiving, we do have a question about Thanksgiving and something that kind of ties along to this upcoming fight card. And so if I can do this, we have, oh, I'm still on your Twitter from the other day. So let me actually switch that out. So we have a question from Juice from the Friendly Sparring Podcast about Thanksgiving and this upcoming card. What's up, Ty and Laurel? This is Juice from Friendly Sparring. I apologize for the sick voice. Unless it sounds sexy, then you're welcome. First thing I want to know is how was y'all's Thanksgiving? What did you eat? Tell me about that food. Yeah, just tell me about that food and anything fun you did. And then I want to know what fight are you most looking forward to on that December 4th card with George Aldo and Rob Font? I got to say for me right now, it's Brad Rydell versus Fizzy. I know everyone's on Fizzy's nuts lately, but the Kiwi Brad Rydell is coming for his head. He's coming for his head. Interesting. I actually uh, forgot that Juice asked that question. <laughs> um, well, we kind of did go into detail about the whole Thanksgiving food, in a sense. Um, what I said, I said turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, vegetable medley, um, sweet potatoes, yeah. and then pie. That's pretty much a standard Thanksgiving. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then you had your roast. And yeah. your awesome sweet potatoes with cheese and marshmallows. Creamed corn. Creamed corn. I made creamed corn. Then I made twice baked potatoes. Nice. Then I made pecan pie tarts. Ooh, okay. They were kind of dry, though. I'm disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, but the recipe is really delicious. Yeah. And then I made... The sour cream biscuits. The ingredients are sour cream, butter, and Jiffy baking mix. Nice. They're delicious. (laughs) And I think that's all I cooked. Okay. Yeah. Um, So I guess the second part of his question is, which fights are we looking most forward to on... Oh, that's not the important. What fights are we looking most forward to on this card so i guess before we start making predictions we can figure out what fights we're looking most forward to and i'll let you go first yeah mine um i really think the fight of the night for me as i was looking at that card is that riddell versus physiers physi aves yeah i think that's going to be the the best fight of the night i can see it I haven't even seen it yet, and it's going to be the fight of the night. <laughs> Very well could be. Yeah. Um, so I went with two, just one on the prelims and one on the main card. I went with prelims because we don't get to talk a whole lot about the prelims. Right. So the prelim fight I'm looking, most looking forward to is Cheyenne Felismas versus Mallory Martin. Oh. Now, a little bit of a backstory about this Cheyenne Felismus is formerly known as Cheyenne Bays and so when I saw when I heard this question from Juice and I looked back at the card 
and I saw Cheyenne. It's like, wait, where's the base? Why is it Polismus? And so I was like, I gotta know what something must have happened. And I actually saw on Reddit, I think it was last night, because someone had posted something and they asked, like, did she get a divorce? And something we'll have to keep an eye on if we watch her fight is her her husband, which I don't know if it is anymore. Um where was I going with this? We'll have to see if he's in her corner because if he's not, then there must have been some kind of separation there. Huh. So I just thought that was very interesting. Um, and I follow her on Instagram and I haven't seen her on, I think since, since April, I think was the last time that, at least on Instagram, I saw an, a picture of him and her together. So Something must have happened between her, I guess, somewhere around her last fight and this one. Scandalous. Yeah. Let's see, there's your uh, gossip rumor for MMA news. So something to keep an eye on this Saturday. Um, but for my main card, the one fight I'm looking forward to is Jimmy Crute versus Jamal Hill. Mm. That one should be very interesting. Both fighters are coming off of a loss, which I'll discuss more about when we get to our predictions. Mm-hmm. Um, Kruitz was, I felt bad for him because it was like a doctor stoppage because he was just like Anthony Smith just beat him senseless in that fight. Um, and then Jamal Hill was the victim of being finished twice in one fight because he had tapped because I think he had tapped due to, no, uh, who was it? Paul Craig broke his arm and the ref didn't stop it. And then he just took some unnecessary punches. So instead of being, uh, instead of losing by submission, he lost by TKO. Uh, Hill broke his arm? Yeah, Hill had his arm broken by um, Paul Craig. That was the one that we covered. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was going to say. Oh, wow. Yeah. wow, this is a quick return then. Yeah. Was that fight very long ago? That was, uh, I think that was at UFC 263. So that was in June. Oh, man, I had totally forgotten about that. Let's see, June, July, August, September, October, November. So five and a half months recovery, almost six months recovery. Whoa. So actually, well, I don't know if it was dislocated, but it looked like it was broken. So I'm kind of surprised he is. If it was a dislocate, well, dislocation and broken are kind of the same thing, right? Well, no. I mean, depends on the type of break that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, dislocation most of the time just tears your tears your tendons, but it can break off the the tip of your your bones at the socket Uh which which isn't good i try to avoid those types of injuries so right (laughs) i want to see let's just see what kind of injury if it was just a break if it wasn't a break let's see uh yeah dislocated his elbow Oh. However, Hill, Hill did not tap and was hit with numerous elbow strikes, losing BPKO. That makes yeah. sense then. 
Okay. Good, great. All right, so it was a dislocation, not a break. So I guess that allowed him to come back a little bit quicker than we anticipated. Right. So it'll be interesting to see how these two go. Um, I'll throw out my prediction once we get there, but we do have one more voice question if you are ready for it. Woo, woo, let's go. This one comes from a new um, listener of the show. Her name is Cakes. So let's hear what she has to say. Hey, this is Cakes. I wanted to ask you, what is your favorite throat cuddle? Just curious. I'm new to your podcast. I'm really excited to listen to more. And uh, thanks for my question. I'm going to go first. No, you go first. Okay. Um, I go... I picked a male and a female um, favorite throat cuddle. Um, I know, I think we answered this question before in a previous podcast, but because she's new, gives me a chance to go back and look at some other throat cuddles that have happened. Um, of course, one of my favorite ones is Nate Diaz choking out Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. Although initially when I saw that fight, I did not like it because eh, con- con- I was kind of like on the Conor train for a little bit there. Mm-hmm. I think I was on the train up until the bus incident. Like, no, no, this is this is not cool. But there was one that I found that was very interesting: uh, George St. Pierre versus Michael Bisping. Oh yes, at, at UFC two seventeen. Uh, George, I think was he was losing that fight. I'm pretty sure at one point, and then in the third round, he just turned it on and knocked down Bisping and managed to get his back and sunk in that rear naked choke and this being tried to hold on for dear life to not tap out but I think um I forgot who was roughing that fight I want to say it was uh John McCarthy and he was like yeah he's not he's gonna fall unconscious and just not got him out and that's how George St. Pierre became a two-division champion not at the same time but right and then my favorite female one, excuse me, was Jillian Robertson versus Courtney Casey, mostly because of how savage it was. <laughs> Jillian Robertson did not need to finish her because she was like, I think she was up like up 10-8 one round and 10-9. So she was, she was going to go in in any way to win. The last minute of the fight, she sunk in that rear naked choke when she didn't need to and forced Casey to tap and like, geez, Julian, you didn't have to finish her off like that. <laughs> savage. That's why her nickname's the Savage. Right. So those are my two new favorite throat cuddles. I um, can't remember what I, I picked uh, last time. Um, but... My favorite throat cuddler of all time, of course, is Anderson Silva because I'm such a big Anderson Silva homer. <laughs> but I think that um, that rear, the rear naked choke that he had against Dan Henderson was pretty, pretty fly. Oh yeah, it was a, a body lock and just complete domination. And Dan Anderson, you know, he's not shabby on the ground himself, but just Anderson was too, too strong, had too dominant a a position in that one. And 
Henderson didn't even try to to uh, fight it off because Silva had sunk it so deep. Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to be mine this time. Right. I have There's to go so out. many favorites, but that one's mine this time. I don't see the funny thing is because I was so new to it, I didn't really get to see Silva in his glory, in his like huge reign. I didn't yeah. even realize that he and Henderson had fought before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's stuff yeah. if I didn't have to go back and watch. So, it's a good fight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So now he was Henderson like fought for the middleweight title, I think twice. And then he fought for the light heavyweight title too, I think, at one point, didn't he? Yeah, he's a stud. Yeah. Stud. <laughs> I didn't see it live, but the one thing I always remember from Dan Henderson was the absolute bomb he threw on this being at UFC 100. <laughs> yeah. That <laughs> Because I got actually got to see that fight because when we were in lockdown, they started showing all all, the, all these old fights, and that was yeah. one of the ones that popped up. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, she like, like, did we just witness a murder here? My goodness!" <laughs> I was like, I, "I honestly was like praying. I hope this thing is going to recover from this. Obviously, he did, but my goodness." Yeah, Dan Henderson is he's tough. Oh yeah. He's just, he just has a mental drive about him. It's just impressive. I'm denying that. Yeah. All right. We ready for our UFC Vegas 44 predictions? I am. All right. You want to start us off? Yeah. So from the bottom to the top. Yeah, let's go bottom to the top. This this um this Allen and Curtis fight I think is going to be maybe the most uninteresting fight on the card in my opinion. Um, both guys are kind of uh, sit sit and wait type of guys. They are the the kind of guys that feel each other out for the first round and a half, and then start to do some some work mm-hmm. um neither of them seem really terribly ag- aggressive to me uh i don't have much to say about them they're both the kind of stand-up fighters i think that alan is is gonna win against curtis i i'm just not i he's he's obviously good to be up fighting in the ring but he's just not my favorite fighter to watch I think that he just dances around way too much it takes him too long to get going talk about Curtis yeah okay all right um so what I have written down is Alan is I remember Brendan Allen because he's actually had quite a few interesting fights Mm-hmm. none that I can remember that I've seen have ended like have been finishes but he's been pretty dominant in his decision victories yeah um he's actually been on quite a run um he is my gosh I want to say he's no I wrote that down somewhere else he 
have to remember. Let me actually look real quick. His only loss, he's, he's been in the UFC a few years, but his only loss has been to, uh, I can't remember, let's talk about Alan. His only loss has been to, um, sorry, Sean Strickland. Mm-hmm. That was like back in, jeez, that was back in, 20, oh, that was 2020 actually. Mm-hmm. So he's been in the UFC since 2019. He has had... One, two, including his contender series fight. He's had one, two, three, four, five, six, yeah, seven fights. That's what I thought. He had seven fights. He is six and one in those fights. Not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. I'm actually surprised that I think he is just now ranked. Like, how is he, how's it been so long since he's been ranked? But I digress. Um, but for me, so with Chris Curtis, this is only his second uh, UFC fight. And so it's going to be very interesting how he's going to do because his first one was very spectacular. He knocked out Phil Halls and he actually just, no, Chris Curtis just fought last month. So I think him being the more active fighter, seeing as how he fought not that long ago, I mean, if you're fighting one month after your UFC debut, either you're doing really well or you didn't suffer much damage in your last fight. So with that said, I'm actually going to take Chris Curtis because I think he has that surprise, that definitely surprised me, that surprise knockout ability. And I think it's something that Brendan Allen hasn't faced yet. And so other than Sean Strickland, of course, because of how... It's kind of it's really tough to explain because Brendan Allen's more of the grinder will try to bring it. I don't think he tries to bring it to decision on purpose. It just it's just how it happens to be. And so I'm kind of curious to see how he does when he's going against someone that can throw a flash knockout at you right in your face. Well, not like a knockdown, knockout, however which way it goes. So. I think that is where Curtis's strength comes in, is his knockout ability. Yeah, and I I have a hard time picking guys who are just one of those uh, one punchers. Mm-hmm. They're always looking for that one punch. Just right. because they tend to beat guys that they should be beating anyway. Mm-hmm. And not guys that they truly should be brawling with over a couple rounds. They tend to get beat. So we'll see. It, it should be an interesting, kind of interesting fight. Um, and I'll mark you down for Curtis. All right. Uh What's the next one? Because my card got scrambled all over the place. Fruit and Hill. Fruit and Hill. Let me find that one. Oh, that's the one I just talked about. Yeah. Wow. I have I have that fight all the way as like the third fight. I'm not sure if ESPN just messed up or whatnot. Oh, no. I went to UFC.com. And that's that's probably where I should have gone, but yeah. It's okay. Um and it's actually a good way to lead off because I did talk about this fight not that long ago. Um, mm-hmm. 
it's the one fight on the main card I'm most looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, both, I think Crew is twelfth in the world or twelfth in the light heavyweight, and Jamal Hill is thirteen. I think it's either twelve, thirteen. Yeah, thirteen, fourteen. It's thirteen, fourteen. That's right. Okay. Um, and so the winner of this fight, depending on how spectacular it looks, um, could end up facing someone in the top ten in their next go around, probably mm-hmm. early mid twenty twenty two. Definitely a great matchup style wise because Crew is more of your wrestler and your takedown fighter, and Jamal mm-hmm. Hill is your striker who. Well, actually, both fighters, despite their disciplines, are very accurate when it comes to their significant striking. Um, this was a tough one for me because of how good it is. Um, yeah. Both men are coming off of losses, and so someone is going to have their skid continue, and one's going to start a new winning streak in all mm-hmm. hopes. Um, but with that said, I think this is going to be strikers versus uh wrestlers normally go one or two way or mm-hmm. really one of three ways um the most common way is that they just grind it out and end up going to a decision because you'll get taken taken down or and then the person the wrestler is going to try to avoid the punches or the kicks as much as they can right. um, with that said i think the striker has a little bit of an edge here so i'm going to go jamal hill but i do think they're going to grind it out it's going to be a very close decision wow i actually selected crude and um i think he has a great takedown ability uh, i'd like to see a few more combos from him i think that he kind of gets into this one-two punch mode and doesn't have a lot of follow-up beyond that but taking into consideration Hill as being a striker type guy. One thing I noticed about Crude is that he has this really uncanny ability to either eat that first punch or avoid that first punch and get in really close to his opponent and the problem with a guy that does that to you is all of your striking power has to come in like this one foot area right and so it really makes him hard to hit with a guy like hill that has some strong Uh, striking ability but seems to me that he has a little bit uh, bigger wind up to do those strikes I think it's going to be really easy for Crute to slip in and avoid the majority of Hill's damage so I am selecting Crute for that reason I was and it's the only reason I'm um, choosing him to win that fight. Um, I don't have a lot of confidence. It could happen. Um, I like Hill as a as a fighter. 
right. <laughs> so we'll have to see what becomes of 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 this fight. It'll be interesting to me. Yeah. Um, right, so what do you have next so I can look through my notes? Which so one? for next, I have Guida and Santos. Okay, that's what I thought was going to be next. So yeah, yeah. And this will be a weird fight. Of oh, course, yeah. I think Guida's fights are always weird. <laughs> what Guida fight isn't been weird lately? Is yeah, he's just. Um, I'm actually picking Santos to win this one um the dude is so quick he has great takedowns uh, once he gets the opponent down he gets right up into this uh pyramid position where he's up on his toes <clears throat> putting a lot of pressure on the body and that's uh that's a really interesting strategy to me because the minute you get taken down, the first thing you want to do is get back up, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have a guy that's applying a lot of top pressure to that, makes it very difficult, and you lose a lot of energy. You use a lot of energy trying to do that, right? Uh, that that first time. Oh yeah. But um, the one the one thing I. I don't like about Guida's fighting style is his little duck down head movement uh, when he goes in for a punch. I just think that makes him uh, super, first of all, he's super predictable when he does it um, because he does it all the time. Um, it, it decreases his accuracy on a strike but I think most important to me, uh, I think that he's careless. And I think that duck on the strikes for someone who's a quick striker and inaccurate is his demise, is Clay's demise. Mm -hmm. I think that's what gets him in trouble. He seems to just be in trouble all the time in a lot of positions that that he ends up in. And I think that he uh, maybe doesn't maintain good composure. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he panics, but it certainly seems like he panics. And then he gets caught. Right. And I think that's really why he loses quite a few of his matches. <laughs> it, <laughs> it is for that reason. So I mean, the guy does a lot of work, but it's kind of sloppy work. So I don't have him winning this fight. Yeah. Um, you said you don't, you don't have Guido winning this fight. You have Santos. Yeah, no, I have, I have uh, Santos, Santos okay. uh, winning this one. Okay. Um, <laughs> Guida. Hall of Famer, but has lost three of his last four. Um, so I found this an interesting stat. Maybe interesting, may not be. Um, Clay Queen has been in the UFC since 2006 and has not even, I don't think he's come close. Well, 
he's might come in close, but he has never fought for a title. Yep. So that's really strange. He has won a he's won the Elite X. Is it Elite X here? Strike Strike Force, yeah. They won the Strike Force title in 2006. But I don't think he had any title defenses. I think he lost it in his first title defense. Um, Santos, going back and looking at him, was the Ultimate Fighter Finale Brazil 2 welterweight winner. Mm-hmm. And he's been quite on a tear since winning that, uh, since winning the tournament. Yep. He is 7 1 and 1 in the mm-hmm. UFC. Um, actually it was his last outing that he suffered his first loss and so I'm curious to see if he's able to bounce back and it's going to be going against a crafty I think the way the UFC set it up is that they gave him Guida because it's a chance to test himself against the veteran to see if he can make that adjustment after that first loss I have no doubt that this actually is a very interesting matchup stylistically um in the sense that guida being the veteran and santos being this up-and-coming prospect who could probably see a number on his name i would probably say by sometime in 2022 if not after Mm -hmm. this fight but i kind of hard i kind of find it hard to see if it happens after this fight because guida's not exactly ranked Um, Right. I think I'm trying to think of how this fight goes because it's just like you said, Clay Guida fights are just really weird. And I feel like this has the making to be just a very weird fight because of his movements and his just wild throwing ability. I kind of sound like throwing, but he's like he's actually physically throwing Santos, but he's not quite at that point. Um, but I think I think the prospect outsmarts the veteran here, and so I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with um, Leonardo Santos as well. Yeah. Uh, so that's one, two. Were there five fights on this card or just, or six? Five. Okay. So, okay, so that's probably where I messed up because I did write down a sixth fight thinking like, oh, but I don't know. Um, so I, next is, um, where is it? Brad Riddell and Rafael Fizev? Fizev? Yeah, if that's the fifth fight, that'd be our coming event. Um, since it's the fight that you're looking forward to, I'll let you get started. I'll, I'll let you take over this one. I think this is just going to be a slugfest. Mm-hmm. And I think that Riddell is going to come out on top. Okay. He, they're, they're both, they're this almost the same type of fighter. Yeah, they are. They really are. And I feel like Riddell will probably win uh, in a decision. Uh-huh. I, I think that that's what will happen. Um, just 
I feel like he's a more accurate striker when I watch him. <laughs> I didn't check the stats to see what that the stats said. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I want him to win. I, I'm not sure. It was hard for me to pick. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think Riddell will come out on, on top. Not that, but I've, I think that, what's his name? Fiziev? Fiziev, yep. I, I think that he could come out on top. I just, I'm just not sure. I'm, I'm torn. Right. I think, I think the odds hard. have, I think the odds have it as a pick right now. If not, it's very close. So I think it's just like not, no one even knows where this fight can go because both are just so wild. Um, but I think, in all honesty, I agree with everything you said. So we'll keep it at that. And I even agree with who you picked. So I'm actually going to go with Riddell as well. And I also have it by decision. A decision, yeah. I think that's why everybody's kind of excited about this fight is that it could be just a real slugfest. Mm-hmm. But I had a hard time deciding. Oh yeah, it was difficult. Yeah. All right, so now we've careened our way to the main events. Yeah. Rob Font versus Jose Aldo. Is he Comic Sans? What's that? Is he Comic Sans? Who's Comic Sans? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I messed up. <laughs> I totally. <laughs> woo! <laughs> oh, wow. Got it. Got it. There it goes. Light bulb. Font. That makes sense. Font? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's like I'm a dad, dad joke. That was a, <laughs> that's the best dad joke ever. UFC dad jokes. There you go. There's a, there's a segment for you right there. Right. <laughs> I should have one in a, one a podcast. Do it. <laughs> um, you go. All right. So I think the victor could be one fight away from the title shot. It'll probably depend on who wins it, though. I'm... Uh-huh. And it also probably depends on who wins between Alderman Sterling and Peter Yan when they fight, which yeah. I, I'm going to be honest, like before I even get into this, I clearly don't, I do not understand the Aldro hate. I clearly don't understand it. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. Just putting that out there. Um, Aldo's had a bit of resurgence. Um, after his loss to... Alexander Volkanovsky, he decided to go down the bantamweight. He, I think he was a split decision loss to Marlon Moraes, and then, <clears throat> which somehow that ended up with him fighting for the title, but I think it was mostly because Henry Cejudo retired and right. they, needed, they needed to give Peter Yan someone. Right. So why not put Jose Aldo, because it'll bring in the pay-per-view money for or the money in for Dana White um but ever since that title fight uh loss which 
Aldo actually held that held his own up until that fifth round when Peter Yan just beat the ever living daylights out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Aldo's won his past two fights, and so I think he's become a real name in the bantamweight division. Mm-hmm. Depending on who wins between Sterling and Yan, he might have to wait a little bit. Um, although. If Aldo wins, I would love to see him fight TJ Dillashaw. I would just love to see that. Yeah, that would be that'd be a good fight. Oh yeah. Um, Font I think is a little bit closer to the title shot than Jose Aldo is. I think after this fight, he might need one more fight, maybe because. He's fought in top contenders, but there's no one that's really. I have to look back and see who he's fought. Who he's fought, but Aldo would definitely be the biggest name on his resume. And who knows? Maybe that would be enough to give him a title shot because he. It would depend on the on the way he beats Aldo, probably. Right. Um. Um. Font has some awesome striking that could give Aldo some trouble. But Aldo is definitely very well-rounded and can adjust on the fly. Um, his, I, th- I think what's going to be the key is all those leg kicks. He's going to mm-hmm. try to chop down the legs because if he can chop down those legs, you're in trouble. Um, but Bond's very interesting to me. Um, I saw his fight with Cody Garbrandt. He goes his last time out and it was interesting. Like, I didn't expect that fight to go the way it did. Um, so I think this fight definitely has all the makings to be a classic. Um, as far as who I have to win, this one was really hard. But in the end, I'm going to go Rob Font just because I think he, they're like, this is his time. And if he, I think he could definitely be a big threat in the bantamweight division, no matter who is holding that belt. Mm-hmm. And I kind of like his backstory too, because he's up in like the Atlantic. He, I want to say he started his own gym, or he helped he helped some friends start a gym up in like I think I want to say it was like the Boston area, if I remember correctly. But I kind of like his story, of course. No matter what, I'll be happy for whomever wins. But for the sake of our predictions, I'm going to go Rob Font. And I'm going to go, it's going to be a very, it's going to be a long fight, but it's going to be a very, very, very close decision. Yeah, I had a little trouble picking this fight too. Um, I think that... Uh, Font has really heavy hands. He likes to do a stand-up battle. His power, though, comes from these big uh, looping strikes, which always uh, worries me because they're not quick. And you can often see him coming, so he kind of looks sluggish when he fights. In, in my opinion, Aldo is a quicker striker, a little bit more technical in his swinging. 
he worries me in the fact that um, he is a little bit more aggressive, uh-huh. which could normally play to your favor. But when you are fighting a guy like Font with big heavy with heavy hands, uh, big sw- big swings, you can walk right into those too um, if you aren't careful. So I'm either <laughs> I'm a little nervous about this pick. Um, Aldo is either going to get knocked out or he's just going to throw more punches and kicks than, than font. And he's going to win by decision. I think that's what, um, it'll come down to for him. I don't, I don't think there'll be anything more or less than, than those two scenarios. Right. I think that, um, I think he'll win though. I think, I think Aldo will win uh, by decision in the fifth, you know, after the fifth round. So that's who I'm going with. We have a lot of, we have three differences. Yep. That should be fun. Crazy. (laughs) Um, Reagan's MMA news. MMA news? Anyone? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> like, what? I don't know. That's all right. I said. <laughs> um, so actually, before we get into Terrence Crawford, we have some breaking news, actually, in a sense. A lot of uh, breaking news. Yeah. Um, this one just popped up onto my phone. So, you know Jeff Neal, right? Yeah. So he's supposed to fight at UFC 269, I believe, next weekend, right? Oh, no. Yes. Um, he, over Thanksgiving weekend, he was arrested on DWI and weapons charges in Texas. Oh, oh okay. I'm going to read a little bit more on it. Um, That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> was arrested Thanksgiving, on Thanksgiving Day of all days on charges of driving while intoxicated and unlawfully carrying a weapon per a Collin County, Texas Sheriff's Office. Neil was taken to custody. What are you doing? (laughs) Neil was taken to custody in the early morning hours of November 25th and released after making a $2,000 bond at eight o'clock that night. Um, Neil is scheduled to fight Santiago Ponzinibbio at UFC 269 next Saturday. That bout is that bout is not in jeopardy according to the UFC. Really? No, apparently not. So this is the promotion says the UFC is aware of the recent situation involving Jeff Neal. The organization has been in communication with him and is in the process of gathering more details. Neal's bout at UFC 69 on December 11th remains as scheduled. Um, as far as the weapon charge, uh, Neal had a legally licensed gun in his car and that charge only exists because it is illegal to have a firearm in your possession when you're when while you allegedly commit a crime if neil's oh, blood alcohol God. level is below 0.08 weapons charge would be dropped i see 
And then for the blood level, blood results can take anywhere from six weeks to six months to come back. Oh. So I think that's why the fight's not in jeopardy right now. Huh. So well. that's interesting. And he, he strikes me as such a nice guy too. Like, I mean, I can understand. Oh, if it was Thanksgiving Day, you, you know the big holiday before Thanksgiving, right? There's a big ho- Halloween? <laughs> well, true. So there's a saying that the day before Thanksgiving is the biggest drinking day of the year. Why? Um, from what I've gathered, it's mostly everyone's coming back from their hometown, coming back to their hometowns to see family. And it, I mostly remember it from my times in college. Oh. Um, so like we have like old cl- high school classmates come back, finally old enough to go out to the bar. And so I think that's, and then family coming back too. They usually come like the day before. And so that's kind of, I think that's where, you know what? Let's find out. Why? Why? <laughs> a little history lesson. Why is the day before Thanksgiving drinking? Okay. Okay. So according to drinkphilly.com, and actually, you know what? I will share, I will share this with you because this is actually some very interesting stuff. I'll get rid of this ad here. Four reasons why Thanksgiving Eve is the biggest drinking night of the year. Number one, nearly all Americans have Thanksgiving off. Unless you're in the food service industry and recently in some retail positions, this is a holiday celebrated across land. No religious overtones, no need to be from any specific culture. It's holiday for all of us in the U.S. Two, no one wants to entertain the night before hosting a big Thanksgiving meal. and thursday in front of the stove take wednesday night off three and this is the big one three everyone is home for the holidays wants to be old friends (laughs) why you're likely to be sequenced i don't do you know that word i don't know this word sequestered thank you sequestered with your family on thanksgiving itself the night offers a chance to get out and catch up with others returning to the area you grew up in Kids don't go to college, folks who have moved away return from where their family is, and Thanksgiving Eve is the perfect opportunity to see each other. And then <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner is the perfect hangover cure. Really? With plenty of starches and riches, fatty foods, Thanksgiving Thursday's meal is good for taking the edge off if you happen to tie one on the night before. And it's often eaten early in the day. Plus that tribe poppy and Latin turkey will set you up for a nice post-dinner nap and yeah it's an urban myth yeah there's turkey doesn't help you fall asleep um it's the overeating basically so <laughs> there's your little history lesson oh well now i know so i think jeff neal was hanging out with some friends maybe had just a little too much to drink although i can't excuse the the, the driving while intoxicated hard enough to it right because we've seen what's happened especially in sports itself like yeah that's not good so there's your little breaking news but 
now we can get into your guy winning his boxing match. Bud, 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 bud. <laughs> that was a good fight. Oh, yeah. Bud's amazing. Yeah. I think our friend Gio watched that fight, too. I think so, too. He probably is a Bud fan now. <laughs> only because you made him a Bud fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it took him a little longer. I have to admit, I was a little worried when he took some punches to the face. But it was like, you know, he just, he's an amazing fighter. Oh, yeah. He just <laughs> kept moving forward. I really love giving him the right advice on the ringside. Mm -hmm. He was awesome. I really loved his footwork in that fight, even though he was, he felt a little, not controversy. He was a, a little bit of a pickle in those first few rounds. Yeah. He, he didn't give up. He just kept moving his feet, like sidestepping, all that, trying to find whatever opening. And he managed to stay in long enough to where in like I think the final two to three rounds of that fight he finally was able to get his groove because I'm pretty sure he was losing that fight up to that one point according to the I think unofficial judges scorecard that they show after like the fifth round or so yeah um, he he had only he had only won like two of those round two of the rounds uh -huh. um, up until that time but it's to me what was most amazing about that fight of uh, he didn't panic and he just kept with his game plan which is he gleans a little bit with each round about how you fight right and then just attacks you and honestly sometimes it's it's like is he even throwing punches very hard? Right. But just the accuracy of those strikes and where they land, it just slowly eats away at you. So. That's my right. guy, he won. <laughs> uh, next up, we had some trailer boxing over the Thanksgiving weekend, which sounded like it was quite so what's a good way to put this? <laughs> there was one ginormous cluster. Oh, a cluster. Yeah, just very, from what, from the highlights I saw on Twitter, it was just really bizarre. Um, some key, some key things to point out. Um, Mike Perry was competing in it and he won his fight. Actually, the, I think one of the very few known MMA fighters to win uh -huh. because Matt Mitrione lost. And I don't know if you saw it, but dude, Frank Mir looked terrible in that fight. I did see that. I wonder what did he get have the Rona or something? He was just not. I don't know how he was trying too much weight too quickly. I don't know what it was like. He just looked like when he was taking those punches because that fight didn't last very long. Mm -hmm. The fact that he was like 
keep like struggling within themselves like stay up stay up but there's like nope you're going down you're going down like the fact that he was swaying as much as he did and not defending himself was very scary yeah i think i think frank mir like for all that he's done for the ufc being a heavyweight champion and among other things for all that he's done for the sport like i think i think it's time dude like there's no need to keep going how old is he he is 42 40? years old 40? 40 ah early 40s huh well, maybe he will be the next to announce his retirement. Yeah, I think he did retire, but I think he just came out. Like, you know, fighters, like, come out. Yeah. Oh, day. I'm just going to do this one. Yeah. I'm retired, but. Yeah. <laughs> Easy way to put some cash in my pocket. Why not? Right. <laughs> um, Friday, we have Bell Tour 272. Sergio Pettis defending his Bantamweight belt against Yoji Horaguchi. I think I got that. Sweet. I think you have it. Um, I might watch a little bit of it, but I don't really know. I know Sergio Pettis was a former UFC um, fighter. Yeah. He is the brother of Anthony Pettis. So I'll be like, the Pettises are pretty awesome. So I'll root for Pettis any day of the week. (laughs) <laughs> sounds like a valid reason yeah but I think it's going to be a tough fight for him because I hear Kyoji is very a very talented fighter I want to yeah, say I that- think I I think I've seen him uh fight and he is amazing yeah wasn't wasn't he in like the one championship I thought he was he might. I'm gonna look him up. Kyoji. Oh, I mean. Oops. Aha. Oh, he was in Ryzen. That's where I remember him from. In where? Ryzen. Oh. Hmm. Maybe. Oh, he is the current Ryzen bantamweight champion. Maybe I have not watched him. Yes. I, now I remember that name. Now I know why that name sounds familiar. It's because he is a rising champion right now. So he's trying to... Kyoji's actually trying to win a belt in two different organizations simultaneously. Hmm. So that'll be, that'll be something to watch for sure. I think now I may have to tune in for this one. I like Bellator, so I'm going to watch. Sounds good. Ooh, I have actually nothing to do on Friday, so I'm going to watch it. Well, nothing later on that night, I should say. And my dude Romero Cotton is fighting in January, I think. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, all right, maybe three little notes to mark, and then we should be done. Okay. Um, Kevin Lee was released from the UFC this week. Why? Um, they didn't really say why. Um, 
I know he was recently suspended um, six months from, was it USADA? Yeah, I think it was USADA. For, it's not a performance enhancing substance, but it was for something called Ampethemy, Ampenthemy, which is like the Adderall drug. Oh. Um, which is, yeah, it's a drug used to treat ADHD, which I think is Adderall, which is interesting because right before his suspension, he did post something on Instagram about him dumping his Adderall down the sink, I believe. And so mm-hmm. I wonder if there, I think those two are kind of related somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, the UFC never really gave a reason why he was released. I kind of had a feeling something was going to happen after his loss to Daniel Rodriguez. Like either he was going to... But I feel like the loss to Daniel Rodriguez shouldn't have warranted his release. Um, Kevin Lee said that he was very surprised by it. His manager was very surprised by it. Um, But since he lost the interim title fight to Tony Ferguson, he has lost four of his last six fights. Whoa. Um, but I think there's still, like, he's still very young. So I think there's a lot still left in him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I heard that Habib was kind of interested in having him fight for his organization. Really? Yes. Yeah, something something popped up there. Um, he could also end up in Bellator, which actually would not be a good, not be good, would not be a bad place for him to land. Right. Um, so I think he has options, but he has to wait until February because he's suspended by the, because his suspension is retroactive to March, that's right, January, December, November, October, August, like August or September. So he has to wait until that's gone before I think he can sign with anyone or fight. But It's a big sad because he actually was like I wasn't the biggest Kevin Lee fan, but he did have some interesting fights. Yeah. Hmm. But, um. So we have a release from the UFC, and before we get into our one that we want to entertain for a little bit, do want to note that a couple hours ago, before we went on the podcast, um, former. UFC, no, former Invicta FC featherweight champion and the former UFC featherweight title challenger, Felicia Spencer, has announced her retirement from mixed martial arts. She get beat up too bad in her last floor, foray. In her last fight? Yeah. Oh, oh, I gotcha. Um, no, she dominated, um, I think it was Leah Letson. Who she fought oh, by. maybe she's going out on a high on a win. She is going out on a win. I did see something before we went on that she was worried about the long term, um, long term brain effects from taking so many punches. Because if you remember, she I think she fought at least in two of her three UFC fights. She fought Chris Cyborg. Uh-huh. And then she fought someone else, but then she went and fought Amanda Nunes after that fight in between. 
And so I think she is actually the only female <clears throat> to have gone the distance with both Cyborg and Nunez. Maybe she's pregnant. She could be looking to having kids. That could be why too. Yeah. Because because she's only 31 years old. Mm-hmm. So the fact that maybe she wants to start, I think she's, she is married, I believe. So I believe, I know a lot of female fighters eventually want to start families. Some start them during their careers, some wait until after. So I think right. combined with the brain, in, with the possible brain damage that she might suffer, because that's something that she has publicly stated that she's fearful of, that she can suffer some kind of. Sure something like that and then of course the family thing is definitely very logical because she's yeah like if she wants to start a family like what would happen like if she had a kid and then something terrible would happen to her while she was fighting so I think it'd be good for her to I think it's yeah a good move for her uh she will be missed I know for me because she actually was a pretty decent fighter yeah. I enjoyed watching her a lot. So best wishes in retirement, Felicia Spencer. If you're listening. If you're yep, if you're listening. Hopefully <laughs> she is. Maybe, ooh, maybe that she's retired. Maybe we can get her on the pod to get her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To get her um experiences fighting for as long as she did. Right. But our last bit of news. Um, so we've on the, we've talked numerous times on this podcast about Aspen Lad. <laughs> um, she had her. Apparently, she only she's gonna have her only one stint at featherweight because she plans to move back down to bantamweight, and she wants to challenge Misha Tate. <laughs> I'll let you take that one. So you'll let me take that one. Which, yeah. What did I text you? Um, <laughs> let's pull out the good phone and find out. Uh, this, this is my text to Ty. Oh, there's going to be a murder in that building. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's all I have to say. Misha yep. Tate's going to murder her. What I the hell is she it. thinking? Well, Lad, Lad's tough, but she's definitely not the same. Oops, excuse me. Not the same fighter she used to be. Does she even deserve to fight Misha Tate at this point in time? No. <laughs> Depends on who you ask. Right. But... Uh, just it's, I don't think it's a smart move for her. I think she should have stayed at featherweight. But if she if she firmly believes she can make bantamweight, she just better not talk trash. It's like oh I'm gonna be like I'm gonna beat up my next opponent. Like my weight is good, and then two days later can't even stand on the scale properly. Yeah, just. <laughs> I have nothing to say that's positive. Mm. Bitch ass move trying to <laughs> sneak around <laughs> weight divisions because you can't make weight in one. 
That's a bam. I hope that Misha Tate bams her. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we'll see. Yeah. But I think that's all we have for this evening. Oh, no. The people are going to miss us. Yeah, it won't be that long because we'll be back next week. True. Um, for a big card, UFC 269. Whoa. And a guest. And it, oh, yes, there is going to be a guest. But that's all we have for today. So, comment. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. Oh, um, we hit 100 plays on our podcast this week. What? Yep, we are at the number. We are at 102 total plays. Nice. So it may be small, but we're working on it. Oops, I did not mean to push that button. Before I have any more scroll moments, if you have, do you want to submit a voice question? Voice question. You have questions, comments, suggestions, any way to get us to 500 total plays. You can reach us at the podcast Twitter at FKTCPod or reach us individually as long as they are safe for work. You can reach Laurel at Rain Basin. And you can reach Not me. Not the what what part, but the Rain Basin. <laughs> <laughs> and you can reach me, Ty, at TyFlyGuy15. But until then, protect your faces from them kicks and protect your necks from the throat cuddles. And what is our golden rule? Never leave the decision in the hands of the judges. Never. Never. Because as you saw with the BR versus State card, that yep. was ooh, too many decisions. But until then, we will see you all next week for 269 Oliveira, Oliveira versus Poirier and Nunez versus Pena. Oh. Can't wait. See ya.